I want to call your attention now to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. We want to see Christ in Psalm 37. We began many years ago this uh, piecemeal study or really just a survey and we were just working through numerically. We come to this 37th Psalm. It is a Psalm of David and it is one of seven, I believe, uh, alphabetic psalms. They are arranged, or the, the sentence structure in the Hebrew is according to the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, this is one of the seven. As we read here, we want to see, of course, David and ourselves, but let us not fail to see our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll read the entire psalm now. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily shalt, thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart. And their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. <clears throat> For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs they shall consume. Into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, 
and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous, and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. May the Lord give his blessing to the reading of Psalm 37. Andrew Bonner writes that This is a song suitable for the church and the church's head alike. As I think of the Lord Jesus, as we see him at the age of 12, a young boy in the temple, there in in that one scene that we have of him between his birth and the beginning of his public ministry. We think of him reading the Old Testament, reading a psalm like this, and what must he have thought as he read it? Do you think he simply saw David? Do you not think that he saw himself the greater David? I dare to say that he must have read psalms like this in a very personal way. It was through reading psalms like this that he was able to to gather in his human understanding as a man what lay ahead for him in his obedience to the Father. we see the joy set before him as he endured the cross and disregarded the shame. Well, this is a long psalm, 
and it really defies outlining, but we do see some recurring themes in it. Patient waiting on God in the face of cruel enemies. We see the contrast of the righteous and the wicked as we see in in so many of these psalms. The righteous are established and the wicked are destroyed ultimately. And I've counted no less than five times in this psalm where it speaks of the wicked or the ungodly, the workers of iniquity being cut down or cut off. Furthermore, there are five times where those who fear God, those who are described as the righteous, are said to inherit the earth or inherit the land. We see both of those coming together in one verse, or let's see, uh, no, more than one, in verse 9. The evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Again, in verse 22, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. And verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. And so in those three verses, both are brought together in in close Connection. Well, in the time that we have here, I'm going to just offer some very brief suggestions as we read through these verses once again on how we may see Christ in this psalm. And we will simply just take it a verse at a time. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. In his earthly life and in his public ministry especially, the Lord Jesus was surrounded by evildoers and workers of iniquity. He was surrounded by sinners continually, and yet he had no sinful anger or spite, no fretting, no envy, no murmuring, no discontentment. He maintained an inward peace and calm and composure. Verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And Samuel Pierce, in his uh, commentary, goes again and again in verses like this to the destruction of the Jewish nation in A.D. 70, in which there was a literal fulfillment. They were cut down like grass and withered as a green herb. All of that, of course, in A.D. 70 was just a, a foreshadowing of the great and final judgment At the last day, those who opposed Christ were destroyed and will be destroyed. 
Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. I think it's interesting to note the, the, the imperatives that are here in several of these verses. Trust and do good here in verse 3. Delight in the Lord, verse 4. Commit thy way unto the Lord, verse 5. In verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Once again, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. And the, the fretting there speaks of, of unjust anger. <clears throat> and again, just think of the impact that these words, these imperatives would have had on the mind of the young Jesus as he read them. He was sustained and protected as he depended upon the Father and trusted in him in that sense all throughout his earthly life. Verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, we know from Psalm 40 that he did delight to do the Father's will. And his desire was toward his people. Delighting in the Father in heaven, the Father rewarded him with the desires of his heart, which was to redeem his people whom he loved. You recall when he sat down in the upper room with his disciples after the Passover meal, he says, as he begins the Lord's Supper, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The desires of his heart were granted by the Father. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When he was on the cross, he said this, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. That's back from uh, Psalm 31. He entrusted the, the keeping of his spirit into the hands of the heavenly Father. He committed his way unto the Lord. It was the ultimate act of dependence and trust upon him. And the Father was faithful. He brought it to pass. He brought it to pass in Christ's resurrection, the, the safekeeping of his soul until resurrection day. Verse 6, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Christ's perfect righteousness was wrought and openly manifested as the light. And his sacrifice was a satisfaction of divine justice. Judgment was brought forth in that event. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Here is Christ resting in the Father. But the rest of the verse gives some context here. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Well, we might think at least of Judas Iscariot here. He certainly brought wicked devices to pass. 
And yet, as I said, I think last week, the Lord putting up with Judas for those three and a half years or so is the most amazing example of long-suffering that, that I can imagine. Jesus never once lashed out at him, but patiently bore with him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he still calls him friend. Oh, what resting in the Lord we see there on the part of Christ, dealing with those who were his sworn enemies. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Think of those verses in, in 1 Peter 3 that describe our Lord on the cross not making any angry outburst when he was reviled, he reviled not back, and so on. No sinful anger. No sinful wrath on his part. And here's the great contrast, verse 9. Evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. What happened to the, the enemies of our Lord? Well, the ones who crucified him, they're long gone. They are all but forgotten, a blip on the radar of history. But Christ himself endures, and his name and his fame is recognized far and wide to this day. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And it's interesting to note that we move from singular to plural here. They shall inherit the earth. This is Christ and all who are his. Those that are in saving union with him. We enjoy his inheritance. He shares his inheritance with us. We are joint heirs with him. Verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Again, think of the destruction of the Jewish people as a whole who had opposed him and crucified him when their city was utterly destroyed in A.D. 70. Verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Who was more meek than Christ? He described himself as meek and lowly. And yes, he inherits all things. We mentioned earlier that second psalm where the father says to the son, Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Christ and those who are with him will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. He's the prince of peace. He is the peacemaker, the reconciler of God and man. It's interesting to note that this 11th verse is quoted 
uh, directly, the first part that is by our Lord in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5. And he himself leads the way. Verse 12, the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. You can see the, the poetic description here of the chief priests and elders and scribes, along with Judas's chariot, plotting against the Lord, conspiring against him. Never was a man treated more cruelly and unjustly than our Lord was. And when he had been arrested and put on trial, punched, slapped, spit on, mocked, derided, from that moment forward until he breathed his last breath. In those hours on the cross when he's gasping for breath and dying, they are laughing, rejoicing, insulting, mocking, gnashing upon him with their teeth. All human dignity was done away with. There was no insult that was off limits when it came to the wicked and their hatred of the Lord Jesus. But notice verse 13, the Lord shall laugh at him. That is, at the wicked. Reminds us of Psalm 2 once again. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, laughs at his enemies, because he seeth that his day is coming. There is a judgment day to come. And God will destroy his enemies and the enemies of his son who have not repented. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn out the sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and slay such as be of upright conversation. Christ is the poor and needy and the one who was upright in his conversation. And here again is is the plotting against him and that he was the target of all of this. They made him the target of their sword, their bow, uh, metaphorically. His holy life condemned them. He was of upright conversation and it angered them. Oh, how angry they were that they couldn't find anything that was not upright in his conduct. They kept trying to find fault with him and failed. Verse 15, here is God's poetic justice. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. They said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. And it was. Verse 16, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. 
This speaks again of the contentment and the peace of Christ in the face of all of this mistreatment. For the arms of the wicked, verse 17, shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Here again is the contrast of of Christ and the wicked. Verse 18, the Lord knoweth the days of the upright. Isaiah 53 speaks of his days being prolonged. And their inheritance shall be forever. Christ's days were prolonged by means of resurrection from the dead. And his inheritance then is an inheritance that never ends. It's not an inheritance that he must give up to someone else at some time. He keeps it because he lives forever as everlasting Lord and King. Verse 19, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. You know, when the Lord was on this earth in his public ministry, in times of difficulty, he said that he had meat to eat that others knew not of. He said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Verse 20, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. Shall they consume away? When an animal was offered as a sacrifice and the fat was burned uh, on the altar, it would make a great smoke, obviously, and be completely consumed. Nothing left of it. And it says this is a a picture of what will happen to the enemies of Christ. They will be burned, burned up in fiery judgment. They will not stand in the day of judgment, as Psalm 1 puts it. They'll be consumed in an everlasting consumption. Verse 21, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Here is the generosity of Christ, His graciousness, His mercy to give. Verse 22, Such as be blessed of Him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of Him shall be cut off. We've seen that contrast already, as well as that of... uh, Both verses 21 and 22. Going on to 23 here. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Who is the good man but the Lord Jesus Christ, who was truly guided by the Father? He he said, I always do his will. I do always those things that please him. His steps were ordered by the heavenly Father, and the Father delighted in the Son. Twice, audibly from heaven, his voice was heard to say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Well, Christ did not fall into sin, but he fell into the hands of his enemies, and he was arrested and tried, and unjustly condemned, and whipped, 
and led to crucifixion and by death fell into the grave. And yet he was not utterly cast down or cast down forever. For the Lord raised him up or as we might say upheld him. Going on to verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Though Christ on the cross sensed the withdrawal of the felt presence and comfort of the Father, we know that the Father was still present to hear his cries, and to sustain the Son in his suffering so that he might die as a perfect and sinless sacrifice for us. And now we who are his seed are provided for, and we're not begging for bread. And and you'll have to pardon me if I plug this into John chapter 6 where Christ is the bread of life and he speaks of of giving his flesh as bread to those who believe in him and therefore we do not hunger, we do not want for bread we're not begging bread we have the bread of life verse 26 he's ever merciful and lendeth And his seed is blessed. Here's Christ freely giving us all that we need. And then we have this instruction. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. In humble obedience in all things to the Father, Jesus found the path of life and resurrection. And now he dies no more and death has no more Dominion over him, Romans 6 tells us. He dwells, he lives forevermore. Verse 28, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The resurrection of Christ is a game changer. It changes everything. Christ is preserved forever. Those who are in Christ are preserved forever. It is the wicked who are cut off. Verse 29, once again, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. And verse 31 goes on to say, the law of his God is in his heart None of his steps shall slide. Here is Christ as a prophet in these two verses. Out of his mouth came wisdom and truth and judgment and justice. As uh, Mr. Pierce says, this is very descriptive of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had the law of God in his heart. His life was the exact transcript of the law of God. None of his steps did slide. There were no missteps. 
he, he stayed on the path of perfect obedience, fulfilling the will of the Father. Verse uh, 32, the wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. Look at those Jewish leaders during the Passion Week and, and various groups of them. They're all watching his every move. They're, they're putting questions to him to try to catch some mistake in what he would say. They'd been watching him for these years to, to catch him in any misstep, sure enough, so that they might have something to accuse him of and, and to then destroy him for. And yet they could never find anything. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, verse 33, nor condemn him when he is judged. Well, the father did not leave the son in the hands of wicked men, but raised him up in triumphant glory and victory. <clears throat> Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. Here is Christ again patiently waiting upon the father, committing his case into his hands and at last exalted to inherit all things. He saw his enemies destroyed. And he shall see them destroyed in the final judgment at the last day. Verse 35, I've seen the wicked in great power, spreading himself like a green bay tree. I can't help but see Annas and Caiaphas here and the Jewish leaders. Oh, they are so powerful. They hold sway over this nation. They can convince Pilate to crucify him. They can convince the people to call for it and so on. There seems to be no limit to their power. They get their way. They win the contest against Jesus. Watching him die on the cross, oh, how happy they were. They thought, we've, we've accomplished our purpose. We pulled it off. Yet, verse 36 says, he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Annas and Caiaphas and all of them, Pontius Pilate, they disappear from the earth. They die. They're soon forgotten. The only memory we have of them is that of shame, evil. But here's the contrast with the perfect, verse 37, which ultimately and fully is Christ. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Though he died a horrible death, he died knowing that he had accomplished what the Father had given him to do. And he could say it's finished. And there's a sense of peace when he commits his soul into the keeping of the Father. And by his work, he has brought in peace. And he is the reconciler of God and his elect. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. 
The end of the wicked shall be cut off, not annihilated, but made to suffer a just and never-ending death. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Again, this is a plural. This is Christ and all that he represented in obedience as our mediator. We are with him delivered, rescued, raised up in honor and glory. And verse 40, And the Lord shall help them and deliver them and shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. We are united to Christ by faith and with Him we partake of His blessings and His honors and His rewards given to Him by the Father for His obedience even unto death we are his inheritance and we inherit all things with him and so I think we can honestly see at least in in many of these verses if not all of them how that Christ must have gained comfort in his sufferings and all throughout his earthly ministry but especially in the Days and hours leading up to his crucifixion, how that he would be comforted by this joy that is set before him, knowing that he inherits all things and that those who are his enemies will be destroyed. And so let us find comfort. If Jesus found comfort in the joy that was set before him, let us find comfort as well, knowing that with him we will inherit a new earth where righteousness will dwell forever. And let us not forget, when we see the wicked in our generation boasting themselves, flexing their muscles against God and His Son and His Word and His law, His rule. Remember that they will suffer final defeat and dishonor and destruction. unless God in mercy saves them. If in his mercy he has saved you, then rejoice and give thanks. It is only his grace that has taken us out of that company that will be destroyed and put us into the company of those that will inherit the earth with Christ. We have so much to be thankful for, beloved. And let us give thanks in our hearts even now. Let's take a few moments to pray and prepare silently for the Lord's table.